0: Hey, welcome to another Enneagram podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yet another Enneagram podcast. But this one's different. Another Enneagram podcast is here to help you be a better leader for your team. We know leadership is already
1: challenging enough, and it can be downright frustrating when your team communication breaks down.
0: Another Enneagram podcast is here to tell you stories of leaders just like you who are learning how to lead their teams better with the Enneagram. If you want your team to communicate better, be more productive, and love their jobs, another Enneagram podcast is for you. Hey, welcome back to another Enneagram podcast. Got your host Ryan here, uh, along with my my awesome co-host Cody. Cody, how's it going? It's going well, man. How are you? Doing okay. Been uh, sipping some coffee, editing some podcasts. Nice. You know nothing, nothing to complain about.
1: Yeah. Sounds great. I've so, been back in your part of the country for the last uh, a- adopted part of the country. Yes, yeah. 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 Uh, for the last three weeks and yeah. it is quite humid. It's, I, yeah. I don't understand how I survived here for as long <laughs> as I did. I feel like I've been like hanging out in the rainforest the last <laughs>
0: few weeks. You got all the benefits of going swimming without the swimming pool. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, it, I wouldn't call those benefits. You got all the consequences of going <laughs> swimming and none of the benefits. I just forgot
1: what it's like to get out of the shower, dry off, and feel wet dude. again. Yes. That is annoying. It's, it's
0: the worst. Yes. It's yep, the worst. Absolutely. Well, so today uh, we've got a podcast that I, I recorded an interview with a couple of guys okay. that um, was just me and them and... You haven't even heard it yet. No, but I'm. I was super excited with how it came out. So, uh, it's a couple of guys uh, named Nate and Chandler, and uh, and and I met them uh, online, just like through LinkedIn, actually. So cool. I met these guys and started talking to Enneagram. I was like, man, I want to get them on the podcast. So I did an interview with them, and they're both up in Michigan, I believe. And uh, man, it was just really, really cool. Really enjoyed talking with them. What was even cooler about it, other than just that they were cool to talk to, was the fact that uh, Nate is an Enneagram 7, like yourself, Mm -hmm. and uh, Chandler is an Enneagram 1, like me. Wow. So they uh, have been friends for quite a while. Uh, I think, if I remember right, Chandler introduced Nate to the Enneagram in general. They used to work together. So you tell me, what do you think a working relationship is like between a 1 and a 7, Let's say before they've become kind of like self-aware about some of their tendencies.
1: Okay. So I've been hanging out with my sister the last few days, who is a one. Right. And um, sometimes I forget about our dynamic when we get to hang out with each other. So, for example, last night I'm uh, on my phone. My wife was talking to me, but I was kind of like lost in, you know, in like kind of dreamland in my head. And my sister, the one, hey, is like, Your wife's talking to you, (laughs) you know, just making sure that I'm uh, keeping up to date on my just good duties, you know, um, as a human being. And so I would imagine with these guys is uh, the one is definitely keeping the seven locked to doing what he said he was going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, I know for me and my relationship with my boss now is I can unload some ideas on him and he's very much going to help sort through the weeds of those ideas. Yeah, And uh, and then on the flip side is I get to help him sometimes with not getting so trapped in the day-to-day task and right. making sure that those are done to perfection. <laughs> um, and uh, it's a cool, cool yeah. relationship. So yeah, I would imagine those might be
0: some of the things for them. Definitely. Uh, it was so good. They talked about all that stuff that you mentioned, You know, talked about working together what that has has meant as they have pressed into enneagram for mm-hmm. each of their own you know types and learned kind of strengths and weaknesses and how those two numbers can work together better. So that was really cool. They talked about that. They talked about what ha- has meant for them personally, just mm-hmm. as they have discovered more about who they are through they're the enneagram. Sure. They talked about how it impacted their marriages, oh, wow. which was super cool, and um, and then also just their teams now that they're not working together, but the teams of people that they do work with now. So. It was a, a very well-rounded interview. They talked about it in a lot of different um, kind of, um, I don't know what word am I looking for, circumstances, environments, mm. and and it was just really good. Uh, and so I, I'm excited about this interview going out. I'm excited for you to hear it. For and, sure. And check it out. And um, and yeah, I hope that these guys get some love from it. You know, I'll tell you before we jump into this, how I actually met Nate. So So Nate was the one I interacted with mm-hmm. first and I didn't talk about this in the interview with him and so I wanted to make sure and mention it here is I was scrolling through LinkedIn one day and this video came up in my feed and it was this this guy just standing there and you almost would have thought that like the video froze right <laughs> and and he's just kind of standing there but you know it's not because he'll like blink every couple of seconds and then I look at the like text for the video and there's a hashtag in it that says like hashtag long pause videos. Oh my gosh. And it was amazing. He would uh he would start a video and be like he decided he was going to do a video about different friends that he had. So, you know, if he did one about about you or something, mm-hmm. it'd be like, "Let me tell you about Cody." <laughs> Cody is
1: I'm very uncomfortable just sitting here watching very this. Very
0: <laughs> creative. <laughs> and, and it was these I mean, it, it was kind of ridiculous yeah. and, and yeah, a little bit awkward and yeah. stuff, but it was so out of the ordinary. Oh my gosh. And he did it like with so much abandon for what other people might think yes. that I loved it. I found myself cracking up at it because it was a little bit awkward, but I don't know. I just loved it. And so that's awesome. So I reached out to him. I was like, dude, I have like nothing to say other than i watched one of your videos and i thought it was amazing that's so cool uh so yeah hashtag long pause videos uh nate jeb okay. on, on linkedin you can okay. go go find him that that's way that's so fun so so fun anyway we'll get into the interview i think it may be a little bit longer one and so i want to make sure people have plenty of time for that so here it is uh, my interview with nate jeb and chandler Karachi. all right nate and chandler welcome to another enneagram podcast excited to have you guys on today
2: thanks yeah i think we'll learn something
0: oh well i'm i'm excited to have people on who who can you know teach some other people something so maybe it'll be beneficial both ways so uh nate and, and chandler here why don't you guys take just a minute to introduce yourselves uh, where you from? What you um, what you do? What your experience has been with Enneagram? Just so people listening can kind of get to know you a little bit. So, uh, who wants to go first?
2: I'll I'll kick it off. Okay. Um, well, I think first the context is Chandler and I because that was that was the thing that helped Enneagram help most. So, Chandler and I have worked together for about a year and a half. Um, we were at a company together, and we found out about the Enneagram and he's a 1 and I'm a 7. And so it made sense to us. Oh, that's why Nate always got these like cockamamie schemes that may or may not be doable, <laughs> and that's why Chandler's always doing a lot of stuff. You know? So what 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 we had been frustrated about whenever we were frustrated was I'm thinking, "Man, Chandler, you got to get more creative." And he's thinking, "Nate, hey, you got to get down to business." Yeah. And and when we realized 7 and 1, we kind of started thinking of ourselves as maybe two different halves of Uh, the same brain or something you know and so Mm. if I can come up with a bunch of cool ideas and then he can help start doing them that works a lot better and we just we're expecting that we both would do both yeah. but once we started splitting it up it worked better
0: i love that that's awesome so yeah give us a little bit more introduction to to just who you are kind of how you learned about enneagram and and um maybe how that's been helpful even in other places
2: sure okay well um i i'm nate jebb i live in holland michigan i've been in sales for the past 10 years and i learned about enneagram from i guess it heard about it multiple times, but I learned, learned about it from a small group that Chandler and I were in together at our church. And um, and it, uh, the context was, we were trying to, we're always working on our marriages. And so my wife is a six and I'm a seven. And when we learned about it, it was really kind of like I just said with Chandler, it was really um, clarifying. Because when I get scared, I want to go out and act and take risks. And When my wife gets scared, she wants stability and no risks. So where that had been a tension point we now had clarity and it was like oh okay well I can I can go for stable if that'll help you so we learned about it in this marriage, marriage small group and um yeah it's it's, I always find if you can name something it's easier to deal with it you know or or know how to help it and so both the things that have gone well in my marriage and in my work Relationship with Chandler were clarified by the enneagram because we were like I just said with the stability with my wife or even with divvying up tasks and thought work between Chandler and I. Um, we kind of knew what each of us was supposed to do, and it made working together a lot easier. Yeah,
0: I love that. That's great, Chandler. How about you? A little quick introduction, and just tell us about you know what enneagram number you are, and and how what you've learned through that.
3: Sure. So. <clears throat> Uh, my name is Chandler. I d- also live in Holland, Michigan. Uh, it's a great area to raise a family, kind of right in the middle of the uh, the Midwest. But uh, Nate and I probably live like two miles from each other. So we've also stayed pretty good friends uh, since we started working together, which was a while ago. Mm-hmm. I've been working in uh, kind of communications and, and uh, content marketing for yeah almost eight years now. Um, and, and I'm a one on the Enneagram, which means my default position is typically create a list of tasks, be obsessed with getting all the tasks done in the right order and to the highest degree of perfection. Mm-hmm. And uh, Enneagram, I mean, I, before I knew about what Enneagram was and the language it gives you and the context for interacting with other people who who have also have that language. I was aware of this in my own tendencies through my friendships and my marriage and everything else. So uh, Nate and I, as he said, we were part of this group that was working on how to use Enneagram as a framework for communication in marriage. And that was my first exposure to it. And I was was somewhat doubtful at first because I've done Myers-Briggs several times and some other personality profiling tools. including uh things just like you know iq tests or whatever just trying to figure out how you work how you uh how you uh how your brain works and once we got into it i realized it was a very helpful way, way of qualifying um kind of my personality and aptitudes and it was the same for my wife and she's a two and so when we started realizing that there were specific things that we could do to augment the helpful parts of our personality or recognize the shortcomings, that that just was very helpful in in every area. So after that, I also used that with a couple of teams at work and kind of introduced that language and those concepts because uh, we just found the language to be really helpful. Um, It's a simple rating scale, and you can also understand what you might do to build other people up. I have a specific coworker that's a two and so I immediately knew what was going to make that person feel a little more fulfilled and uh, like they're getting you know, their work done um, and all of that just been very helpful so I would say it's been probably about like a year and a half maybe two years of um, using the ideas and kind of ha- having that help me build both personally and professionally in my relationships with other people. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Well, I love all that. And, and I love having the two of you guys on together, uh, being friends uh, that have worked together in the past and, and just friends outside of that. Uh, I specifically love though, and I didn't know this till we got on here, that uh, that you guys were a seven and a one, which is funny to me because I don't know if you have Caught any of the previous episodes of this podcast? But I'm a one, and my co-host Cody, who's not on here today but normally is, is a seven, uh, and so I, I love that. I'm expecting to learn some good things that I can take back to my relationship with my co-host. So excited about that!
3: So yeah, it's a fun relationship dynamic.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and it it should be right. And I think sometimes different numbers, you know, numbers get along with with anybody, right? Depending on how healthy or unhealthy they can be. But, you know, I think there are some numbers that may have more challenges than others. And and I could see ones and sevens having some real friction, right? And, and I'm sure you guys.
2: Oh, well, I hate Chandler. I hope that comes across. <laughs> <laughs> we just Got work it.
0: together. Well, good. Now I'm self-conscious about my co-host hating me. So I appreciate <laughs> that. <Yeah. laughs> uh,
2: well, I actually have some good. Okay. So you're saying you want to, you know, learn some stuff. We have some funny stories and Chandler, even as you're talking and I'm talking, I'm trying to think of like anecdotes because we've had, I mean, I don't know if it's if we've really said it as straight as it is, but like, we're great friends. We hang out all the time. I call Chandler every day. And so we do have some good anecdotes. And I think um, one of them is I because I'm so like zany creative. I like to work on just blank pieces of printer paper. Uh So when I'm like, when we were working on a project together, I'm trying to think of is uh, something that we worked on. We, we, so we're in West Michigan for sales. We're trying to get a hold of business owners, right? Hmm. And I would tell Chandler like, I'm going to go work on this. And I would take like a stack of printer paper and like go in a room and like sh- literally draw scribbles. It's like, it looks like kind of crappy drawings of what a business owner might look like. And, <laughs> and, and, and I like, kind of mind mappy stuff. And then I'd come back to him and be like, here's what I made. And he's like, well, <laughs> I don't really know how we're going like to turn that into a sales model. And right. then we we kind of like, I don't know if we ever got into a total swing of it, but we found a lot of the time what would happen is I'd bring him that kind of gobbledygook. And he'd. And one question we like to ask each other is, well, what's the next action? Hmm. And, yeah. and so he would always... What he's good at, what his brain's going to do when he sees that gobbledygook is he's going to clarify it and he's going to make it into a task list. So he'd look at the list and be like, okay, well, you've, you wrote like marketing companies and drew like an arrow going up. So what is that all about? And I'm like, well, you know, I give some explanation. He's like, well, have you made a list of the 30 marketing companies in West Michigan? I'm like, no. And actually, I'm not very good at research on a computer. So could you do that? He's like, yeah, I'll do that. But what I am good at is striking up a conversation with people just on a random phone call so he'd, I'd give him this stupid drawing saying marketing. He'd say, have you made the list? I'd say, no, will you make it? And then I'd call all of them that day, and we'd get meetings with a couple of them. And then he would, he would, then I would go meet with them and have a great time. And then I'd come back, and I was like, yeah, it was great. And he was like, okay, well, are you going to, like, work with them? Or, like, what's what happened? And I'm like, well, we had coffee, and, like, we talked about playing chess and, like, raising kids in West Michigan. And he he would always like keep me on track and reminded. And then we would joke because on days where we would work like separately, let's say I'd like work from home or something, he would call me and be like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I'm dragging. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm completely scattered. And then we would, you know, I mean, we'd come together and I'd bring a little energy and he'd bring a little focus. And I don't know, I don't know if I'm representing it totally like the specifics right Chandler, but that I just remember thinking, that time when you would like put white pieces of paper on my desk, like do this thing. And then I'd like go into a room and call the people (laughs) that that worked well for us. So I don't know if you can think of any other riffs off of that, but that was
3: a good, that was a good way of working together. I love that. Well, the, the funniest, and I think most succinct summary to me of a particular one in seven relationship and, and probably a one in anybody else was, Um, me being at home and Nate calling me and kind of giving me this spontaneous idea. He was like, I want to go do this thing right now. And it was was probably late at night. It's like, let's go to Lake Michigan and kick a soccer ball around or something. Mm. And (laughs) and my response, unironically, I wasn't thinking of it this this way, was, man, that sounds so fun and I really want to just do something on a whim but I can't be spontaneous right now. Mm. And basically, <laughs> yeah. Basically, I was saying like, well, Nate, I have to plan my spontaneity. Mm. And that that was actually in my marriage, like the very first year was something that my wife would always say, let's just, you know, we don't have kids yet. We're, let's go do this. And I'm like, well, how about we plan to be spontaneous at, you know, nine o'clock on, on Saturday <laughs> afternoon. And the fact that I said that unironically, not even thinking about the fact that it was a contradiction in itself, you know, was so funny. So we we do reference that a lot, which is one, you know, I can only speak from my own perspective, but once you recognize that um, you do have this weakness, which is you can't kind of switch directions really quickly you have to learn how to counteract that. But that to me is just one of my favorite anecdotes because it's such a funny irony. Oh, well, yeah.
2: okay. But now that makes me think of, so Chandler and I, there's this like local theater here. Um, and Chandler and I will like play open mics together. <laughs> and it, it was, there was this one time, Chan, like, okay, so you're one, right? Ones mm-hmm. are, he's technically Phenomenal. I mean, this guy is a, he's a good bassist, but he's also a good drummer and he's also a good pianist and all this stuff. And so he like had mastered this very complicated drum piece. And I'm just going to go to the channel. I'm telling the story. And, and, um, we invited like all of our buddies from church to come out and get a beer and like watch us play a show together. Mm -hmm. And so we, we go and uh, cause I'm the seven, I'm the guy who is like, came, I'm like, let's just go play this show. Like, you know, who cares? We don't have to do a lot of prep work. So Chandler has prepared this phenomenal drum piece. Well, I forget to relay to like the sound team that he's going to need to have it set up. So the way that this open mic works is you could like play along to music. And it was a gag that a lot of people did at the open mic. So he was playing along with a guitar track. And I forgot to tell the sound team to like put a speaker up against his drum set. So you can't play a super complicated like seven, eight time like... Piece if you can't hear the piece you're playing with, but <laughs> right. I'm like the guy who's like, Oh yeah, let's, uh, we'll just go. It'll be great. Cause oh, I yeah. never do anything complicated. And then Chandler shows up and basically long and short of it is he can't hear the piece, so he can't play along with it. So then I am like, so then I start improvising some zany piece and the long and short of it is we get like, you know, not a, I mean, we didn't punch each other, but there was, a, there was a little bit of a fight on stage in our live show. <laughs> and so then because it's the two tensions, right? It's like, I want to go to like just spontaneous wacko land. And he right. wants to like execute something with excellence. And so then we get off stage and all of our friends from church like make fun of us. They're like, oh, wow, boys, you know, really? You let it all hang out there on stage. <laughs> and so, so, okay, cool. But we're great friends and we like playing together. And we had some other successes when we played. So we're like, well, how could we make it better? So the next time we did it, we structured it so that there was a time of me improvising and then a time of Chandler playing his piece. Yes. And he, he prepared this I'll have to actually send you the video because it, it is it's that good. Yeah. Um, he prepared Gaston from, you know, Beauty and the Beast. And oh. his impression of it's spot on. And so we're like playing this piece together and all I'm doing is like yelling at the audience to sing along. And Chandler is nailing in perfect one format Gaston. And and um it was just an absolute triumph i mean if you can imagine you know um well i don't know if you can recall the song but it's like at the end of the song that's like uh, g-a-s-t-o-n and then the whole bar sings gaston we got this entire bar to yell gaston throughout the song and we were just having a great time and it was perfect because it's a seven and a one working together we tried it we filled, we figured out like a way around it. And then when we came back, absolutely nailed it. And it's still, I mean, it's something that I, I hope, yeah, Chandler and I both think that was a triumph and we, yeah, it's on YouTube. Uh, so uh, so that's, that's that. some yeah. tips.
0: I'll have to check that out and we'll link it in the show notes as well. But yeah, it definitely sounds like you guys have found some of the tension, but then found ways to work through it, which is awesome. I love that. Um, what, what do you think is some of the, the big insights that you guys have picked up about yourselves as you've processed this Enneagram stuff. Do
2: you want to go channel I have talks? <laughs>
3: sure. <clears throat> well, I think the biggest thing is is part of what I was saying at first, which is it's very difficult for me to or it has been historically to switch directions and to do it quickly. I like to think that there's a plan that's going to be followed and going to be seen through till the end and the end result is going to be sort of, you know, better than what we had expected, you know, under promise over deliver on on everything, you know, even if it's just the dishes Mm -hmm. and the, (laughs) It's really not sustainable and it's really not healthy and one of the things i learned the first couple years of marriage i haven't been married that long just uh, just over five years but just in the first couple of years learning that it's really healthy for myself mentally and physically to let some of the the almost like ocd like you know those compulsions go and um you know for those people who are married um maybe stepping back and looking at how that may be working but in your marriage. But for those people who aren't married, thinking, how do you find, um, you know, a partner that it can pull those tendencies uh, out of you, or maybe reshape them in a way where it's healthier for you. So for my wife, you know, it was, she would, she would encourage me to say, you've been working on this for a long time. It's okay, you step away from it. It's okay that you take time to reset or restore yourself a little bit. And so I would say over the last five years, I'm much, much more laid back than I, than I was. And that's been probably added years. No, I mean, not joking. It was probably added years to my life from just not, not worrying about things or kind of obsessing over them. So I think if, if there was one thing that far and away was, um, my takeaway, it's just been that you have to recognize those destructive tendencies, even in yourself. And, and, and of course in the, in the, um, Enneagram text, you know, and what people have written about it, they do point out an unhealthy one is they do get myopic, and so hmm. for me, Myers-Briggs gave me some of that that perspective, but the Enneagram I think made it more relatable, and then also gave me language to talk about it with my wife and friends and whoever else, or even setting up my work schedule. Um, so one quick, easy way of demonstrating that is, you know, I knew that when this COVID stuff started hitting, working from home was going to be easy for me because I'm able to set and keep a schedule. But I also knew the challenge would be I would always be drawn back to work because it's right there. It's mm-hmm. right there at home with me. So it, releasing that re- and recognizing it, I think are probably really huge benefits for me.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, uh, I identify with a lot of that stuff that you just said. In fact, uh, whenever I do like Enneagram workshops or something, one of the little like half jokes that I tell about Enneagram ones is that the ones in the room can load the dishwasher better than you can. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> that resonate?
3: Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I got home last night and I was just really tired and we had gone out and done some stuff and I, was, I told my wife i was like let me just do the dishes real quick just so we can read. you know we start our day tomorrow and nothing she's like you're really tired why don't you just go to bed and i got in bed and kind of was planning to you know read or even talk for a little bit and like just immediately passed out so it's like obviously she's right in that situation but loading the dishes is like what i default start doing, you know. <laughs> yep. Kind of looking for something to do and I want it to be really good.
2: Yeah.
0: No, I totally get that. That's um yeah, I love that. I've had a lot of the same experiences in, in marriage and just learning about myself as a one and how that affects others, especially those closest to you, you know, like a spouse. So no, I get that for sure. Nate, what about you? What's been some of the, the biggest insights about yourself that you've had uh, through the Enneagram?
2: I think getting rid of shame probably for what I can't do um, when I, uh, I was working at this marketing company in Cincinnati. And, you know, I think every company since China started making mugs has like company mugs <laughs> and we uh, accidentally bought like 300 mugs. I think it was truly like an order for 30 and I was like, whoops, we got 300. Oh, no. So I, tr- I was like, well, I told the CEO, I'm like, don't worry about this. We'll, we'll turn this in. We'll turn We'll make this right. So the only way to get value to something that's not that valuable is to get it autographed. Duh, you know. I mean, or at least that's a principle that I. Yeah, okay. It's like a, it's a crappy basketball, but here it is. It's autographed by MJ, so now it's worth a million dollars. Right. So I got the coolest guy in the company to um, to sign all of the mugs, huh. and then every week. I would give them out as like an award to just someone who I'd noticed like could really, you know, you're like, wow, that was a pretty good script they wrote for that video. Or that was what, you yeah. know, something small, you did the dishes, you're a one channel load of the dishwasher. <laughs> and so I'd give this stupid little speech and like we'd all laugh about it. And sometimes I'd make videos or play songs about people. And it was just fun. And not related to my job, certainly cost me my reputation. I had no dignity by the time I left the company, but. <laughs> um i know that a lot of the people there had told me like well that brings a lot of fun to the company and we like that um but if you had asked me like how did i do when i was at Epifio, i'd probably be sh- ashamed and discouraged and i'd tell you well i did okay but i didn't um i always had trouble following through on my tasks like i would have said something like that to you hmm. and and it's true I, you know i do and i've done tons and tons of reading now on like task management and i love the book getting things done by david allen and all this Mm -hmm. stuff but um if it's almost like which metric you want to pick i would like if if it was like nate how'd you do i would say well not great because i didn't write down a list every day and follow through on it though i followed Mm -hmm. through on some of it but now i'm like well yeah but i a lot of people really got some joy after a long work week you know we'd always have those meetings on friday i did that for probably a year you know Mm. every friday and just give a little speech and and that's something i mean it's something you know i i was in sales i was hitting my number so it was it was fine i was doing my job so i think what i learned about myself was if you're evaluating yourself what's that that thing you know if if a bird thinks that he's bad because he can't climb a tree and a squirrel thinks he's bad because he can't swim in a lake you know that's stupid stop <laughs> doing that you're a squirrel you climb trees you're a duck you're you're i should have said duck but you get what i'm saying people <laughs> are good at different things and i was asking myself am i being a good one right now well no Mm -hmm. i'm not being a good one i'm not a one i'm a seven yeah you know and and if if i had asked myself am i being a good seven i I, i'm knocking it out of the park man i'm i'm absolutely having a ball people are loving it i'm using my strengths well and i think and i've thought a lot about this recently it's like how can you just ask for help so that the weaknesses aren't really a liability? Because if, if every day people are saying, Nate, we really need you to make a task list and follow through on it, we've created a bad setup. Because I'm not bad at following through on tasks, but you know what's gonna happen on task number three? I'm gonna be out doing task number three. I'm at FedEx Kinko's. I hit it up with this guy in the yard and he's an architect here locally and we talked for 20 minutes. Now I'm gonna miss my last tasks on the, on the list but then one year later, when we're looking to branch out our marketing for architecture firms, I'm going to call Dave that I am at Five X and it's going to be awesome. That's mm-hmm. what I'm bringing to the table, mm-hmm. and and um, so Peter Drucker, you know, the management wonk, has this mm-hmm. thing where he says, you know, always put people in positions to use their strength, and then just find a way to work their weaknesses out of the equation. So. If you have an accountant who truly wants to sit down and do the numbers and they could not be better at it, they could not be more detailed. It's so fun for them. But they don't really want to like chit chat with people, put them in an office in the corner where they don't have to chit chat. They'll do the best work you've ever seen. And I think I was thinking, I was like trying to make the accountants chit chat. Well, just don't do that. That's a dumb setup. And so what has occurred to me is if you get the setup right, it can really strip some of the liability away. Because I have weaknesses, but I also have some superpowers. Right. And so set it up so that Nate gets to meet people in the FedEx Kinko's driveway and also set it up so that he has people supporting him with his task list. So I think one thing I've been working on now is I'm trying to build a structure around me, you know, with even just people. I, I It's crazy. I've I found, I don't think I can do Microsoft Excel very well. So stop trying, you know, get yeah. someone who's good at Excel and ask them to do it. So what I've learned about myself is I'm a good seven, but I'm not a good one. Well,
0: I think that's brilliant. I love, like, you're talking about measuring yourself, the the scale, you know, at which you're measured against. And yeah, and and I love that. That's brilliant. Um, have you guys, I mean, I know you've already been talking about it a little bit, but how else have you guys found this conversation to be helpful in the context of, of a team or a group that you're working with?
3: What do you think, Tanner? Well, if you have... People who all have had some exposure to the enneagram idea—it's so helpful to know the most basic ways to make people feel focused, valued, appreciated, and connected. Because which is how you're going to get either you know great partnership or great work—you know—great results out of that relationship or the the work that you need to do. And. So I work with somebody who's a two and I think I said that before. And so, you know, in the back of my mind, if we're working on a project, I can hold these, these two things in tension. And those two things are one, I mean, work always has to be very clear. If you're trying to get a specific outcome, you need to define the outcome very clearly, Mm -hmm. but two, if you want someone to emotionally feel attached to the work and feel like they know how to produce something that's going to be helpful at the end, you might just tack on the phrase this will be really helpful to me and the team because A, B, or C, um, or this will really help me meet my objectives and I really appreciate you taking this on. That might be what gets them through the extra two hours it takes to do that versus saying, well, I'm certainly very clear about what I need to do. Um, so if you're, gonna, if you're going to give someone some yard tools and say, I need you to clear this 3,500 square feet of space and I need it to be done in three hours. Well, they're very clear about what they're gonna do but depending on how much you know about them, you might know it actually means more to them to say, you know, this is a space for me to garden. And so I'm going to use this to grow food and, you know, X, Y, Z. And that might actually be what produces your better result. Um, because not only are they clear, which, which everyone needs, but they have sort of been motivated, I think, in the right way to, to want to do the work. And so I would say from a professional standpoint, it's very helpful to know um, what people, how they're motivated and clear and all those other things. I think if you're, um, maybe you're talking about somebody who's, you know, at a different point on the spectrum, not a one or two or a seven, you might know that if they appear argumentative, they're really just trying to get to that point of clarity. Um, Or they might be really passionate about sticking to a point because they truly believe that that's the right thing. Or they might be you know, a peacemaker, and they're really just trying to get everybody to, um, to get on the same page. And maybe that's a person who's better suited for A and not B, because B just needs the hard driving person, but they don't need a lot of um, agreement on something. So it, those are all kind of just scenarios. But um, a lot of them I've found, you know, as you are with family or, or you're working, um, if you have that in your back pocket, and then of course, if they know, if they've kind of had the discussions about Enneagram, it brings a whole other level of clarity because you can say, hey, as you know, somebody with these traits to your personality, let's figure out how we can do this um, the best way possible. And I think if you're willing to just share about that, it's like, oh my goodness, now, now we're on a totally different page. We're so much clearer. We know what the other person expects. And eventually, that just probably becomes more and more of an inherent part of how you're communicating. So, kind of a long-winded answer, but I guess those are just—oh, I, I love this, it. This is what
0: comes um, to mind. And even thinking about you guys working together, uh, you know, a one and a seven. You know, i, I know one of the biggest insights for me, uh, as as a one looking out at several seven friends that I have, and, and Nate, you know, I'd love to hear your feedback on this too, if if you think it's off or whatever. But um, one of the things I have found is that you know I like to put things in motion whenever there's an idea or a desire for something to be done my kind of reaction is to be like okay well let's do it like what do we need to do to make that happen right and then to start to systematize and organize and and get everything ready to implement right and then seven friends that i have and even sevens that i've worked with seem to be these like idea factories right just cranking out idea after idea after idea. And for me, Enneagram was helpful in that conversation because I had to learn that, okay, not every idea that my seven friends crank out is something to be implemented, nor do they always expect every idea that they have to be implemented. Has that been true for you guys? Is that an accurate thing or or anything there for you?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll go. There, there's a, um, I mean, because this is kind of business context. There's a book called Rocket Fuel, Mm -hmm. and it talks about a partnership. It says basically, you're a small business. You're kind of gonna have like the crazy visionary, has a million ideas a week guy, and then you're gonna have an integrator who takes those ideas, picks the one out of the million that is worth doing and then gets it done. And it's a very good book. It's based off of this whole model called the entrepreneurial operating system. And it's worth looking into. It's all written by Gino Wickman, but, um, the concept that sevens want to proliferate ideas, but that only one out of a hundred may be good really helped me because it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen and I could send you a picture of it, but in in facilitation meeting facilitation and a game storming is a book on facilitation that talks about this, but there's basically two two main stages to like a day long session. There's what they call divergent thinking, which is where you just come up with a bajillion ideas. Some of them are good, some of them are weird, some of them are whatever. And then there's the second half called convergent thinking where you take out of all those ideas, you prioritize them, organize them, pick which ones are valuable, make next action steps, make a plan. And you got to have both, you know. You got to have the guy who says, Give me a white piece of paper. I will fill this thing. And then you got to have someone to come in and say, Yeah, but I hated most of it. But gosh, that one idea you came up with, that's really good. I mean, Hemingway said, Write drunk, edit sober. It's kind of like that, (laughs) you know. And I'm the guy who's writing drunk all the time. And Chandler is the guy who's editing sober. And um, it certainly has been the trend that I have a lot of ideas and that a couple of them really are good but that if you take me at face value like if you think our relationship is nate's going to come up with an idea and chandler's going to get it done we're going to have a problem because we're going to go a million directions and we won't get anywhere but if you think chandler is like our our i think of like a music producer you know you've got like the artist who's like well what if i did these lyrics and the music producer's like no one wants to hear that and (laughs) You know, like he he's the guy who picks. And and if you thought, I guess the epiphany for me was it's good for a seven to have a lot of ideas and it's good for the other person, the one or the editor, or whoever, to say, yeah, we're not going to do most of those. Both of those are okay. We don't got to be mad about that conversation.
0: Do you ever get offended like if you throw out an idea and somebody like me or chandler comes along and and tells you why you can't do it or shouldn't do it is that ever
2: offensive to you i don't know if i've ever been offended No. Yeah. Of course it's offensive. Yeah. I get mad. I get mad about that all the time. Um, I think the workaround is if you can just say, like preface the conversation and say, Hey Chandler, I've got, and I do this more with my wife than I do with Chandler, but I say like, I've got a bunch of ideas here. Um, Before we start shooting them down, will you hear them all out and give me any ideas that they make you think of? So if you just break it up into stages, because what what gets frustrating is if I've got 10 ideas and we know just in general, well, one of those is probably going to be pretty good. But after my first idea, you shut it down. You like stop the flow. Let's just get them all out on the table. We know nine are going to suck. And then you're going to, you're with your smart brain. You're going to pick the one that's good. But if you stop my flow, then you're stopping my value. Hmm. But yeah, I get offended. I mean, last night I was, I was talking to my, what was the situation? It was, she, Oh gosh, we, we, I'm, I was stressed out and I, cause bedtime can be stressful. And so I just like retreat to watching John Prine videos. Cause that's most of what I'm doing now. And, um, she comes over and says basically like, Hey, you didn't like fill up the kid's water bottle. So I go upstairs and she's, you know, third trimester. It's like, don't make your wife go upstairs. You know, you can do it. <laughs> and, and she got, um, in my face a little bit, which I like about her, but I never like it in the moment. She was like, you know, if you're going to do bedtime, like finish it up. Yeah. Which is fair. And, um, I got, I took offense to that. And I said, like, you know, oh, I'm tired. And like, you're putting pressure on me, blah, blah, blah. And I'll tie this back in a second to the creative ideas and getting feedback. But, and I'm like, I'm tired. And she's like, oh, no, like she, she's so cool. My wife, she's like, no, I don't buy it. And I'm like, dang it. You know, like she just she shut me down. <laughs> so, but I had somewhere to go. So I'm walking out the door. And the last thing I say before I leave is I'm like, that is rude and unhelpful. And then I like storm out. Then i'm standing outside i'm like man if i get in a car crash or something that's not going to be the way to end it so i like i go back and open up the door i'm like i'm sorry that i'm grumpy but i i i just am burned out and she's like yeah yeah yeah, i appreciate the apology and then i walk out and so we're on good terms so to speak and then i i i get out you know i of course go to the gas station and buy a bag of gummy bears and binge eat most of them the rest are in my uh uh, uh you know little drawer in the car And then when I come home, I was just filled with affection for my wife because Mm. it is very hard to meet someone who's going to not indulgent, but specifically and helpfully give you like a, "Eh, that's no good. That's not a good one. You know, And in this case it was like a relational thing that I truly should have done, but but she's that way with my ideas. And so is Chandler and it's, So like I have, it's hard to do to be the editor. It's an, it's frustrating. So when you're saying, do I ever get frustrated? Yeah, absolutely. But that's because I'm kind of an emotional guy. I cool off and then I come back and say, thank you for marrying me. And I really value your friendship because this is what I need. I need my butt kicked. I'm the zany guy. I'm the emotional guy. Yep, kick my butt and we'll make something great.
0: (laughs) No, I I think that's great. Chandler, you know, Nate talked about how he can kind of set the stage a little bit for those conversations. What about on your end? What have you found that, that helps, you know, I I know for me, like I'll kind of self deprecate every now and then and call myself like a a wet blanket on the fun and things like that. But, uh, you know, what have you found that, that works better as you're trying to, as Nate said, be the editor, be the one that, that helps people implement things and systematize things and decide what to pursue and what not to pursue. How have you seen that go better or, or not? And what can other people kind of emulate from that?
3: Well, that's a really good question. Um, I think your question to Nate about, you know, do you get offended? I don't know if you were fair to yourself there. You know, I, I feel like you don't often. It's pretty rare. And maybe it just depends on the situation. But we often well more com- more common in marriage than than with well, you i fair. think
2: you know because we're under more pressure together but keep going
3: well i'm just thinking of the i'm thinking of plato's quote which is you know to paraphrase it's the it's mark of an educated mind to be able to hold an idea without accepting it and mm. a one especially a one under pressure wants to think that their idea is best um primarily because they just want to get going on it which is kind of what you said, Ryan, which is like, let's just do it. <laughs> um, and I've had to learn um, how to hold those ideas without doing all of them or necessarily believing that all of them are true or right. Mm-hmm. And so I think the challenge when you're trying to sift through a lot of information is to say, can I look at these 10 things? Can I critically assess them without truly holding them? So can I, from a distance, assess them, their quality, their, their order of importance, um, their pertinence? if I can do that then I'll probably be able to come up with the top three at that point point. and uh, so I mean this is something I just have had to do professionally for a long time which is you do have to sift through all those competing ideas um, or I mean ideas is one way of framing it up a lot of times you're, we're just talking about decisions right do you hire person A or do you um, make you know choice B because it seems to, to have some advantages so I think being able to hold the ideas um, in a way where you can fairly consider them and then kind of determine which ones really are um, best fit the criteria that you have. Um, I think I'm trying to think of one specific way or really what I'm trying to think of as a practice that I've found. And I think probably it's something akin to just pros and cons, but um, just asking clarifying questions, like what exactly are we trying to do Um, And Nate mentioned getting things done. And there's some helpful tools in that way of thinking as well, which is basically what's just the next action I can do. Um, Mm -hmm. That kind of thinking is also in EOS, which is related to the entrepreneurial Operating System, which which Nate mentioned. But um, Mm -hmm. as you're setting objectives when you meet each week, you typically pick just kind of the one thing you can do in the next seven days. And so Mm -hmm. if you're thinking about breaking down ideas into, um, A, choosing them, and then B, acting on them, you know, you do need a method for not kind of biting off the whole thing at one time, um, because I think ones are prone to do that. And I think sevens are probably, you know, prone to say, let's do all of them. Or again, let's do the whole thing at once. But if it takes more than an hour, I'm just going to be onto that, onto the next thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, well, it's like, you've got to be able to think about them, but not necessarily be attached to all of them. Hmm. Yeah.
2: I, and I have one that go, I, I don't, I, you're asking for kind of like tips or whatever. And, and related to the, the frustration point that you asked, mm-hmm. how, d- how would a one avoid frustrating someone even though they're the editor? Mm-hmm. In my experience with Chandler, he didn't do that in the, in the, if I don't get, and Chandler's saying I don't get frustrated with him that often, that's true. The reason that I don't get frustrated with Chandler is not because I don't like what he's saying. It's because he wins my trust over all the time before we hit that situation Hmm. so it's not like there's a trick to flip it in the moment but he he's doing the work all the time like I remember one time we were commuting to work together because it's Holland to Grand Rapids and I was just getting you know I was just down and I'm like telling him all this stuff and he's like oh boy like before we go to work let's get this guy's head on straight so he pulls over to a coffee shop and he's like All right, well, tell me about it. And he buys me a coffee and a bagel and he sits me down He just lets me talk it out. And then we go to work. Right. But the amount of like, if you just think of it like a relational bank account, that was a thousand dollar deposit. And then when he does an editing comment, it's a hundred dollar, you know, he's taking out a hundred bucks. I mean, he wins me over all the time when we're not in the tense moments. So that when we're in the tense moments, he's got, he's, just, he's got a lot of street cred with me, you know? And I think it's partly because we're such a good, it's such a compatible thing that when I'm, when I'm up and down, or if I have a lot of ideas or whatever, I mean, you can even hear how Chandler talks. He's so specific and concrete and helpful. He's a grounding force. Hmm. So if he's going to win me over by taking me out to coffee, I, he certainly has the right to say, Nate, you, you had too many ideas there. Mm-hmm. So I just, the distinction is he does it before the fact, not in the moment. Yeah.
3: Well, Man, I, I think, I love that. I I think uh, one kind of along what you're saying there, Nate, well, the reason I was thinking of Plato, the idea of holding an idea is I think, you know, just in general, Ryan, this comment is, isn't really Enneagram specific, but um, I'm a big proponent of trying to eliminate emotional language from a lot of discussions if you're not discussing that something that needs to have emotion <laughs> injected in it. And so a lot of times people get very attached to their ideas. Um, I tried to work this out in a really bad LinkedIn article and I just, I was like, I'm gonna write about <laughs> this. And I, I kind of worked through some of these ideas, but I think uh, to Nate's point about trust, if, you, if you're talking about like Enneagram, Great. Maybe you have some language to bring to the table that helps you separate your emotion from your ideas. That that's a great starting place. If you don't have that pre-existing structure or um, knowledge to bring to the table, a huge benefit when you're just trying to, I think the uh, the trendy people call it ideate, but right, come up with a lot of different ways of thinking about something mm-hmm. is you do have to separate yourself emotionally from them. And so um just let's say it's nate and myself we're thinking through some ideas we really want to help this local business owner just with some challenges that they have Um, you have to be willing to say some of my ideas are going to be bad and it's much better for both of us if one of us calls that out and we just move past it and that's really really hard for example in a marriage but in a lot of working relationships it's i think it's going to become a really valuable skill to have that detachment from your specific way of looking at something Um, because people really do put a little bit of their own ego obviously when you're putting forward an idea and so nate frames that up as you know having trust in each other i think the other side of that is also just taking your own emotion out of the equation and saying um i'm just going to present what i have to offer if it works great if it doesn't then hopefully we get to the best idea. So yeah, I think that's just another side of the
0: equation. Well, and I think those two things that you guys just said work so well together. Um, You know, I, I I completely agree with trying to, you know, remove emotion is a weird way to say it for me because I don't, and I don't think you mean it this way, but obviously not that all emotions are bad, but they can certainly cloud things. Um, But that in context with what Nate's talking about, which Man, it's just like a breath of fresh air to me. Is this idea of you know ones or whoever the the editor just to continue to use that language doesn't have to you know get it perfectly right in the moment or say this exact phrase, but it's so much more about the the relationship ongoing before yeah. and after the editing process. And that is, I think that's an amazing insight. And so I love that. That's man. That's just great for me to hear, even if nobody else even listens to this episode. (laughs) Uh, So I love that. And I I appreciate those insights there. So let's kind of wrap it up here pretty soon. Anything else just from you guys kind of last words to any leaders or, or, you know, team leaders of any kind out there that might be listening to this, uh, who, who have been working through some Enneagram stuff?
3: Do you have any challenge? Well, I guess all I would say, you asked a specific question, Ryan, which is how would you maybe frame it to people who are, uh, and if I understand kind of what you you do, you know, you're, you're teaching people and they want it, they're wanting to implement it in a way where it's helpful for their teams. Mm-hmm. So I guess my last thoughts would just be, A, it's incredibly helpful. Um, take advantage of it because, mm-hmm. It, it sounds simple, but it, I can guarantee you it will give you a different set of terms that are actually human and usable. Mm. And I would juxtapose that against something like Myers-Briggs, which I think is helpful because mm. it's very deep. Um, but the language, I just, I have not found it to be as accessible. So mm. if I were to say this was an experiment, I would say the co-workers or different people that I have worked with, have had the option to use the language of Myers-Briggs, they've had the option to use the language of an Enneagram and they've chosen of their own free will to use the language of the Enneagram because it's more human. Mm. So I just think if you're looking for something that's, that's a helpful, simple way to have productive emotional intelligence discussions, which by the way, emotional intelligence is becoming a big part of talent attraction if you want to keep people in their jobs you need to make sure that again not just are they clear but do they really feel like they're contributing to what you're doing right um this is a great way to do that and i, I have no um <laughs> i haven't gotten the check in the mail from you ryan so it's, it's like i'm not getting i have no incentive <laughs> to say this other than that it's true and my experience has been really positive so my encouragement would be that it's it's the simplest way to kind of start that discussion
0: around emotional intelligence. Love that. Nate, what you
2: think? Um, well, I've had a couple times in my life where I got really down. And one of the things that I was surprised was really effective was the phrase, so what? So like, I'd be, I'd be, you know, I'm in a pit, I'm crying, I'm calling my parents, I'm making a whole stink. And occasionally I would say to myself, like in the middle of a, you know, a, uh, a bad funk, I would just say, well, so what? You know, because the narrative you're telling yourself is like, you know, and this was back in college is when I really hit a low point, but I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing well in school. I, um, I, I just don't want to be here. I'm tired of the relationships I'm in. I'm like, you start doing this laundry list of what you feel bad about. And then occasionally you, I would just go, well, so what? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's all true. Yeah. I'm not doing great in school. And uh, you know, I don't love everyone that I know and okay, that's fine. I'll deal with it. And so what was like an escape door for me? Like I just got completely out of the funk immediately when I'd say so what? Mm. And when, when you understand what someone's Enneagram number is, it like, it's like that same escape door. Like if, if I didn't have the Enneagram language and I'm working with Chandler, I'm like, this guy cannot get creative. And now Chandler is actually very creative, but you know, I'm like, the, I want to go way down the creative path. Oh, and flexible. I'm like, this guy, a big one. yeah, right. I'm like, he cannot get flexible. Be spontaneous right now. And I do start doing that this sparing laundry list. The so what line is like, oh, wait, he's a one. Yeah, so yeah, so what? That's kind of, I'm working with a different cat. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. No problem. And, and so for me, being able to name what they're good at and just say, well, I don't want to do Excel spreadsheets, so I'm not going to make him be super spontaneous, and so what? It, like, snapped me out of it, so I think just using that as a little mantra to yourself, yeah, this guy's a one, so what? Mm-hmm. That helps me get out of a, a, a tense work moment.
0: Yeah, man, this has been great, guys. There's been so many little, like, nuggets of, of things that have just been really, really insightful, and I've, I've enjoyed it, and I think listeners are going to enjoy it. I feel like I could just continue to ask a question every few minutes with you guys for quite a while and then just listen to your thoughts on it because um it, it's been good stuff and it's cool to have two guys that have worked together that can have that uh, that shared experience that can talk about it in this kind of a format and so i have appreciated that and who knows maybe we'll have you guys back on at some point in the future and uh we can hear more of this good stuff
3: cool all right Sounds good. thanks ryan let us know how we can help or uh kind of promote what you have going on and help spread the
0: word. Absolutely. And, you know, I connected with both of these guys over LinkedIn. So uh, assuming it's okay with them, I'll put their uh, LinkedIn stuff in the description yeah. for this podcast. So if you want to connect with them, you can do that there. And um, not sure who we'll have next on here, but we will catch you on the next episode of another Enneagram podcast. Hey, thanks for joining us today on another Enneagram podcast.
1: As fellow leaders, we know it can be frustrating when it seems like you always run into the same problems on your team with the same people. But leaders just like you are learning how to lead their
0: teams better using the Enneagram and you can too. So if you like what you heard today, we would love it if you would share this podcast on social media and leave a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts, preferably only good you know reviews and ratings. That would be great. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram or at another Enneagram
1: or head over to our website, AnotherEnneagram.com.
0: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Another Enneagram Podcast.